Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Those resolutions are adopted and motions Thank you, President Eskin. Um, I did want to um, say congratulations to the wild parents um, and just express my gratitude to the Commonwealth for this. And I know that, you know, on social media sometimes people will say that, why are you working on this? And I did want to address that because I really do think it is important as city leaders to remind people that we can debate public policy priorities. We can take seriously the serious problems and we can celebrate the blessings of our city. Um, so I'm proud to be uh, supporting this and I will welcome the opportunity to be added as a co-sponsor even though I am late coming to the Paris Conference. You just heard San Francisco Supervisor Matt Dorsey at City Hall on Wednesday talking about the resolution of intent to make the wild parrots of Telegraph Hill the official animal of San Francisco We were at this meeting, and it felt triumphant, but I'm not a city hall reporter. What just happened, Heather? (laughs) We showed up to the board chambers in our matching parrot t-shirts and sat through a lot of public comment about really random things. But then finally, they got to item 32, which was the wild parrots and making the winner of our contest the official animal of San Francisco. But this being San Francisco... It doesn't appear to be done yet. Supervisor Myrna Melgar submitted it as a resolution of intent, but apparently it has to be an ordinance for this to be officially official. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, We will celebrate at some point, hopefully soon. We've been wearing these t-shirts a lot lately. (laughs) I had to do laundry last night because it was getting so gross. (laughs) Yeah, we've worn these t-shirts like four out of the last six (laughs) days. There was a delay. Somebody vandalized. Oh, yes. We were at City Hall yesterday, and they announced the entire meeting was being recessed till today because someone had vandalized a fiber optic cable. They need to broadcast the meeting. And we are still speculating on whether the culprit was the sea lion. Yeah, sea lions better have a good alibi. Uh, So San Francisco having it delayed that way. Thanks to Wild Parrots of Telegraph Hill director Judy Irving and star Mark Bittner and our friend Eric Kingsbury who gave a pun-filled testimony. This continues to be a wild ride. We'll celebrate when it's official. Uh, I'm having fun, Heather. This can go on for the rest of the year, but hopefully not. (laughs) You never know. With City Hall, this could take forever. Well, speaking of things that fly, only bad segues on the Total SF podcast, our guest today is Airport Commissioner Jane Natoli, a friend of Total SF, who gave us a tour of the Harvey Milk Terminal at San Francisco International Airport for this Secrets of SFO episode. I'm super excited about it. I want to be like Tom Hanks in the terminal and just live in the Harvey Milk Terminal now for like a year. Yeah, it wouldn't be so bad to be stranded there. Um, They have really good food, including burritos and art, a museum, 
stores. We found a lot of good things at the terminal. Yeah, as we were going around, I was half expecting to find like a bowling alley, an ice skating rink. They have pretty much everything there. There's a really small yoga room. Uh, It's a quiet airport, which I didn't even know existed. I didn't either, but Jane told us about that. And then once you're listening, you realize the difference between most airports where they're constantly blasting, Peter Hartlob, report to the nearest (laughs) white courtesy telephone. We didn't hear that. Yeah, we didn't hear that at all. Um, Give me your white courtesy telephone voice, though. (laughs) (laughs) Before the podcast, it was much more annoying. (laughs) Peter Hartlob, please report to the closest white courtesy telephone. Peter Hartlob. No, no, now stop. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering what other quiet things should we have? Like, should we have a quiet newsroom? We've had a quiet newsroom for far too long, but people are finally coming back, which is great. Yeah, I was thinking like a quiet gym or quiet muni. Like, oh I'm my sorry. gosh, one <laughs> can dream. Quiet Bart without those screeching sounds. Just kind of like, I'm sorry, ma'am, you're on the quiet 38 Geary, <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have to keep it down. Well, we cover a lot today, some airport history. We talk about Harvey Milk. Uh, we talk about my delinquent childhood running wild through the San Francisco International Airport and the changes at the airport over the last few decades, and a little bit of karaoke talk, too. Bottom line, Jane is very fun to hang out with. Jane's very fun to hang out with. She's come to our movie nights before. More bad segues, only bad segues on this show. If you want to come to our last movie night of April, it's going to be So I Married an Axe Murderer, April 27th, Balboa Theater. Get your tickets at cinemasf.com. Yeah, everything we do sells out. Uh, We have sold out Princess Diaries and Vertigo, and this one will sell out too. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight. Sea lions report to the nearest white courtesy telephone, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Jane Natoli, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for the behind-the-scenes tour of SFO, which I now feel like I have like a PhD in SFO. I have learned a lot about this airport I didn't know. Thanks for having me. I was glad to show off a few of the fine features of Harvey Milk Terminal (laughs) 1. Well, it's fun to visit an airport without the mad dash to make the flight. But I was wondering, do you just come here to hang out ever? I, I find this to be a serene place after getting a tour from you. Do you, do you ever just come here and hang out, spend the day, do some work? I don't spend the day here, but when I have to come down here for airport business occasionally, or when I have a tour arranged, sometimes I'll hang out for a couple hours because it's a great place to get some work done. I'm not distracted by everything, and it, it is... As you put it, a serene environment, strangely. We don't normally think of airports as very serene places, but I find SFO is. I have a very long relationship with this airport, and it was less serene a few decades ago. I was wondering, do you remember your first SFO experience? My first SFO experience that I have a distinct memory of was shortly after I moved here. I, I took a trip to Vegas. It was very harried. Uh, I didn't have a lot of money at the time. I just moved here. I don't remember it as being particularly serene at that time, but I think that had a lot more to do with my life circumstances than the airport, probably. And I was trying to make a trip work with my friends that I really barely had the time for. So I think it was a lot of external pressure instead of uh, instead of maybe the airport. But I don't know. You can't go back and find out. 
Well, we learned about the quiet zones in the airport here. I think going from that to Las Vegas, where there are literal slot machines when you walk off the plane, has got to be kind of a, a jarring experience. It is. It's it, SFO has a quiet airport policy, so they try to keep down the extraneous music and noise. You're not going to hear announcements about who's maybe going to miss their flight or some weird music or anything like that. And, and so you have that experience, you get on your flight, and then you get off. And yeah, I, I, Vegas is the prime example of that at Harry Reid. It's slot machines, all these advertisements telling you places to go. Uh, you're right in the thick of it. I mean, there's also still people smoking everywhere. So it's a very different airport. Yeah, than you, here. you walk off the plane and Carrot Top is actually <laughs> performing. Um, David Copperfield doing <laughs> magic tricks. Yes. Well, uh, Mayor Breed appointed you to the airport commission about 18 months ago. Um, what goes into being a good airport commissioner? Was it that's something you were seeking out? It wasn't something I explicitly sought out. Uh, I am obviously honored and excited to serve the city and I wanted to bring my skills in terms of the skills that it highlights serving in an oversight capacity I've served on other city committees I've served on other boards this is obviously a bigger operation here the airline has a multi-billion dollar or the airport has a multi-billion dollar budget right there's a lot that goes into it but it's still the same sort of oversight skills do these contracts make sense are we seeking enough input are we trying to uphold san francisco values and how we're operating it and really uh, it's our job to read the materials and prepare for that ask questions and make sure we understand what's going on it's just the numbers tend to have a few more zeros googling sfo last night was unlike googling most city departments um by and large the results are very positive so i think you guys might give the libraries a run for their money on city departments that work well how is the airport functional and pleasant what's the secret sauce what can other departments learn the secret sauce at the airport in my experience is the people everyone who works at sfo that's on commission staff really really cares about this place and most people who are here have been here a while they have grown their careers here they have worked here for 20 30 plus years bringing excellence to whatever it is that they're doing and for whatever reason we don't have the same kind of parochial fights that may pop up with some other city departments it's just a place where there's a lot less ego and mm -hmm. i think like you mentioned some other departments in the city you feel that libraries i think also our park system is excellent and mm -hmm. we have a lot less of that caught up in it and in some other departments maybe that rears its head the thing about sfo that i think does make it unique in that sense is uh, no one cares why the airport does or doesn't work in the same ways they just want a good experience right travelers are coming through here and want a good experience millions of people are coming through here when we're talking about pre-pandemic numbers and we're going to be at those kinds of numbers again and they're not interested in petty fights or anything they want a good experience and i think the staff here really gets that and knows like it doesn't matter there's no reason to have these kinds of territorial arguments or anything like that you just need to give the customer a good experience mm -hmm. and that's what takes precedence here and maybe that should be true with many other departments where we should be centering whatever needs to be centered 
but in the airport they really you know they walk the walk when it comes to that in terms of the staff hmm. well I, I'm curious like if you can give us some tips and give our listeners some tips if I'm in a Tom Hanks the terminal situation in the airport here I'm stuck here for days how am I going to entertain myself what, what, what do you do for a good time in the airport I've been joking a long time that the only thing the airport is missing actually is a uh, is a gay bar called the Cockpit. <laughs> but, wow, let's make this happen. But, you know, so that would be item number one if that ever happened. But uh, no, there's a lot of art distributed throughout the various terminals. So it's not quite done yet, but eventually all the terminals will be connected post-security. But right now, if you're flying out of Terminal 2, you can reach Terminal 3 or International Terminal on that side. And you can walk around and see some of the exhibits. They have a really great photography exhibit in the post-security connector between 2 and 3 right now. That's worth checking out. Uh, they have a lot of other exhibits that are rotating distributed throughout the museum. Right now in Harvey Milk Terminal 1, they have part of the 100th anniversary of the opera, but there are other parts scattered around. So uh, there was a really cool uh, women of aviation one that I stopped and I read all of the little displays about the early pioneers in aviation, right? Women flying these biplanes back in like the 20s. And obviously you hear, you know, Amelia Earhart maybe, but there are a lot of other innovators then. And so it gives you the chance to really spend some time with those things and, and learn about uh, all of this wonderful history that that we are fortunate to have a lot of pieces of because SFO has this accredited museum. It's the only accredited museum at an airport in the country currently. Well, uh, I looked a little bit into the history of this airport and history of aviation in San Francisco. I don't know if you knew you were going to get this treat, but um, <laughs> I've written a few stories from our archive about it. Um, very first flight in San Francisco aviation history was 1910. It was a January 23rd demonstration scheduled at the Tanferan horse racing track. A pilot named Lewis Paulhan got in his plane, everybody's collected there, and then it started getting really windy and the fog came in and they canceled it. Oh, man. So the, <laughs> very, the fog strikes again. The very first moment in San Francisco aviation history was a cancellation. Uh, <laughs> feels right. Yeah. So there was Chrissy Field that was finished in 1921, but um, San Francisco was always looking for an airport. And um, through the 1920s, there was a lot of talk. A lot of people wanted it in San Francisco, and there are other people that wanted it in the South Bay. They talked about Yerba Buena Island before the Bay Bridge was even there, hmm. having an airport there. I'm not sure how that would have worked. Uh, China Basin, there was talk about the train, you know, the place where the trains come in, putting the airport on top of that. I don't think it would have been a real big airport. I don't think there would have been room for an opera art exhibit or a little <laughs> chihuahua. Well, uh, then there goes that idea. And then 1927, Mills Field in San Mateo County, it existed, but that became the thing that um, the city kind of doubled down on. In the 30s, Amelia Earhart landed in Oakland, and in 1937, part of her final ride, I think, started in in same kind of Oakland, Alameda Bay Farm area. And I think that got San Francisco a little more psyched to have a bigger airport with Amelia Earhart, biggest name in aviation at the time with Charles Lindbergh, doing stuff out of Oakland. I think that got people fired up. 
August 27th, 1954, this $50 million airport opens, and I got a lot of other history, first metal detectors in 1973, (laughs) um, a lot of things like that. I started hanging out here in the 80s, nothing to do in Burlingame, and um, I was going to ask you, you know, looking at the history and everything here, what do you think about an airport in kind of in San Mateo County, even though technically I think we are in San Francisco where we're sitting right we now. We are? I thought we were in San Mateo. It's unincorporated San Mateo County, but it's a weird relationship in terms of yeah, you know, how the businesses operate in all of that. It's, it's San Francisco but also not San Francisco. Uh, I, I appreciate that we've invested in this location. I think an actual airport in San Francisco, as fantastical as it is to think about, uh, would have been very challenging. This is already challenging. One of the, this is not just a San Francisco problem, but Oakland and even San Jose, the airports of the Bay Area are land constrained. You know, in Oakland and San Francisco's cases, because of the Bay itself. So even having these locations uh, were much smaller than a lot of peer airports that see similar traffic here. Hmm. Uh, and so we have to figure out how to make it work, which I think is to a lot of the history is why we sometimes have some of the innovations is we need to. We'll be right back after this short break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As I said, I, I, I grew up less than five miles from here and we hung out here like we would run around and like we were terrors we were calling the white courtesy telephone for (laughs) each other uh the niners would come in and we'd try and find out where their gate was if i had a friend leave i remember in high school even and i'm aging myself i remember we could walk right up to the gate Mm -hmm. and like say goodbye and then hang out for a while um very different airport now and then do you remember that era? You, you, you're, you're much, much, much younger than me, but uh, uh, do you remember the old and the new airport? And do you yes. have thoughts on like kind of where we are now, 20 years past 9-11, when you know, security's obviously tighter and the airport's a different thing? So my first aviation experiences were when I was you know, a kid and up through high school, uh, still 9-11 hadn't occurred yet. So some of those same sort of experiences, you know. Did you, would, you call people on the white courtesy telephone? I did not do that. Uh, I was maybe a, a little little less... Uh, Rule following? Unruly. <laughs> uh, I did not go to the airport just to hang out. I grew up in Northern Virginia, and um, so the two airports that we mostly f- flew through were Dulles and National there. But most of the time, they were not just near <laughs> me, and I did not just go to them. Uh, though, I guess you could just go ride on a people mover at Dulles. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, I remember that experience where, you know, you could wait for your family at the gate or they could be waiting for you, especially if you were, you know, traveling as an unaccompanied minor, as we still use that term with flying, right? Your family could be there right off the gate. And that's Mm -hmm. not the experience now. I think a lot of 
what has changed, you know, had to change in, so, in, in some degree. Obviously, we saw what happened in terms of trying to make sure our airports are more secure locations. We want to be careful uh, and we want to, you know, make sure people are safely getting to their destinations, right? And I think a lot of the past 20 years has been learning how do we make that experience as painless as possible? Because I don't think security needs to be a trade-off with convenience at times. And a lot of people have these horror stories of being stuck in long lines. Uh, SFO, I have found the experience to be quite great in terms of navigating all of that. Um, you know, there's still a balance as we try to figure it out. I've been working on trying to make sure you know, trans travelers uh, generally have not great stories to tell you about dealing with TSA. It's mm. not always the greatest experience. And so that's something I've wanted to use my position to follow up. And what are we doing? What, what did TSA recently uh, revamped their policies? But how are you following up and making sure they're working and, and ensuring that all travelers have dignity? Because I think that is something we're still figuring out that we gave up in the process. It used to be pretty easy. People used to be like, did any, you know, did any stranger hand you a suspicious package? And you would say no, and they would give you your ticket and move you along, right? And now it's not quite like that. Mm -hmm. um, but we still need to make sure that, you know, we're respecting our travelers. They're the backbone of this business. And, and so the two, I don't think they have to be at odds. And I think we're always learning how do we make that better? How do we make that experience uh, more dignified while also doing that and it's it's not going to be like it was 30 years ago you, you also used to be able to smoke on planes right we're not going back to that so i think there's there's some amount of navigating the fact that the past is the past right and these things that we could do were cool and these unique experiences and it's fun to hear those stories of how you were able to do that and it sounds like you almost used, you know, SFO as like your mall, your hangout, <laughs> right? Was. I mean, right? And I, I don't know that I was walking through here with a set of steak knives, yeah. but like I think I could have. Yeah, know, it, was, it was a different time. And, and that was just <laughs> let's not go back. Your there. childhood was very different than mine. It's just a different era. <laughs> yeah. Well, we met you um, this morning at Harvey Milk Terminal, and. Um, I was reading up last night, and the airport also lights the terminal and the air traffic control tower in the colors of the transgender flag at least twice a year and has made a conscious effort to add all gender or single stall bathrooms throughout the airport. What do those kinds of um, moves mean to you as a trans woman, especially when the rest of the country seems to be targeting the trans community so much? It is tough out there right now. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a lot of bad news, so it's great to see san francisco in california really continuing to stand by the trans community and continue to push how can we be better and it does not mean we've got it all figured out mm -hmm. here either certainly navigating uh, just everyday life as a trans person is still really challenging and then you have the added layer of dealing with flying which is a lot of stress some people may not have matching identity documents mm -hmm. uh, they may not uh they just may not feel comfortable with the screening process even if they do. And and how are we making that kind of stuff better for people is, is a constant push where it's like, we need to create the welcoming spaces that we, uh, that match our values. And that's a constant exercise. And I'm sure, you know, years from now, there will be things that I didn't realize that we should have been pushing for because that's not unique. I'm not, 
better at this than anybody else. Mm -hmm. I just have a different set of experiences. So I'm always proud that we're really trying to push that representation. You know, in regards to Harvey Milk Terminal One, uh, it's obviously a, a reminder of how important San Francisco is to LGBTQ plus rights. Uh, you know, being the first gay supervisor we had, and and how much. Uh, the city reacted too. I mean, you can look at a lot of what happened with, you know, his his assassination, and, and even getting into the politics of it a little bit. Even then, the going away from district elections was mm -hmm. a part of that, right? The people that was reaction to that, and um, a lot of what moved through the '80s was this reactionary. We're pushing the envelope forward, and I think we see that at a national level right now. And I'm proud to live someplace that is continuing to try and push in the face of that reaction and and stand by communities that need them. And, you know, trans people need to travel. And they shouldn't have to try to decide as to whether or not um, they're going to have to deal with something that other travelers aren't going to have to deal with just because of who they are. I think I think now, too, there are people who are, you know, now more than even a few years ago, there are people who are living in a place where they feel threatened and they are being threatened. And coming here represents coming to a place that's safe. So I think coming off of a plane and seeing Harvey Milk and seeing just even symbols of that is important. And I'm sure there are a lot of people coming in here who appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, it's important, and then I think also a reminder to ourselves to keep challenging ourselves to live up to those mm -hmm. kind of symbols we've built, and keep pushing forward. So I always take a lot of heart in in seeing that and thinking about it and reflecting. Um, no one said it would be easy. Yeah, you've survived our very serious questions, and now it's time for the lightning round. Let's go. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco or the airport to get a burrito? Favorite place to get a burrito. Uh, my go-to burrito, it's still got to be papalote. That that tofu mole is so good. Yeah. Where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? Stiff drink? Right now, Wild Hawk. Mm -hmm. um, you appear to be singing karaoke in your Twitter avatar. What is your go-to karaoke song? My go-to karaoke song is Common People by Pulp. Mm. <laughs> What's yours, Peter? Um, I haven't done karaoke in a while. It used to be me and Bobby McGee because it was on a lot of machines if I showed up in a random place. Now I think I might try like a Brandy Carlisle song and just go an octave lower. Mm. Um, but thank you for asking, <laughs> Heather. What is your go-to karaoke song? Like a Prayer by Madonna. <laughs> Are you going to break that out right now? No, I don't <laughs> sing on the podcast. Okay. Uh, I like our listeners. <laughs> um, you're also well-known in YIMBY circles. Yes or no, is San Francisco going to be able to build 82,000 new housing units in the next eight years as required by state law? Yes. Wow, you're very optimistic. It's my job to be optimistic. <laughs> you're um, very involved generally in city politics as well. Uh, are you going to announce anything on the Total SF podcast? Are you running for office? No plans at this time. <laughs> That's what they always say. If City Hall could take one piece of advice from the airport in terms of being functional and people actually wanting to interact with it, what would it be? Put the customer first. I forgot to ask you, what is your favorite San Francisco movie? My favorite San Francisco movie? 
I have a real soft spot for the Presidio. Oh, I don't know if anybody's ever picked that, but it's a good one. I mean, it's kind it. of a, it's it's not great, but it's also amazing. Yeah. Um, if you could get on a plane right now and travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Berlin. Why? I love Berlin. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, last question. What is one thing you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? I always squeeze a little time to just sit on my couch and even if it's just like 10 minutes like read mm -hmm. and and just unwind and not look at my devices or anything like that yeah great well thank you for joining us and for the tour of sfo thank you we're good excellent thank you thank you that was fun thank you for listening to the san francisco chronicle our music today is from the Sunset Shipwrecks, Castro organ player David Hegarty, and cable car bell ringing from eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod. So one of the things that I've always appreciated uh, is SFO has pursued the quiet airport policy. So not a lot of those extraneous, if you don't catch your flight, you know, if you're not here to board. I'm also hearing no like starship coming out of any speakers here. Yeah, no, yeah, we don't do that. Uh, you're not, you know, as much as, as much as we want everyone to step off the plane in here we built this city uh, you know it's, it's not happening it's choices you got to make choices it's very quiet in this airport Heather it's like a library yeah you still can talk People <laughs> they may just ask you not to yell you uh, still can talk yeah it, it's allowed